Hey fans, before we get going, just wanted to send out a reminder that you can head to anchor.fm slash Wolverine Sounds, where you can choose to support this podcast, or you can send us voice messages. We certainly appreciate either. So head over to anchor.fm slash Wolverine Sounds. Please show us some love. Now let's get on to the show. is the Go Blue Crew. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to episode, what I believe is 109. I just realized I may not have that totally accurate, but uh, I, I think it's 109. Anyway, we're going to go a little offbeat today for the most part because uh, Clemson and LSU played in the national championship Monday night. LSU trounced them ultimately 42 to 25, even though it looked like Clemson was uh, going to be able to build a strong lead that that even the likes of LSU's offense may have struggled to come back against. But Joe Burrow's just a different animal. Six total touchdowns, five throwing, one on the ground. What did you think of the, the national championship, Derek? You know, I was shocked by the final outcome. I knew that LSU uh, offensively has had some monster games against some top five teams. But to see Joe Burrow, uh, after really – LSU had no success in the first few possessions uh, to, to witness what happened. Uh, even after Clemson got back into it, it was 28-17. to uh, 17. Clemson scores, goes for two. It feels like Trevor Lawrence and the squad um, are going to prove that, hey, you know what, they're, they're solid and they're in this and it's going to be a fight to the finish. And uh, similar, I guess, to the, the semifinal, LSU just pulls away and just Clemson can do nothing. And you know, my thoughts were just how far, and this is a, a thought that I've seen a lot of people have, specifically Michigan fans and probably other programs too, Texas's, USC's and such. But my thought was just how far Michigan is from that type of play. And then really just looking at both quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, who won a championship last year, obviously is probably going to be the number one draft pick, uh, not this year's draft, but next year's draft, Joe Burrow, Heisman winner number one pick likely in this year's draft. I just want Michigan to have that type of level quarterback, your favorite word, elite quarterback. Yeah, and, an elite QB, yeah. And I just – it almost gets you down. It's fun to watch great college football. I'm always a big fan of the national championship game, no matter uh, if I have a rooting interest or not. But seeing even Clemson perform as well as they did early on, even though they ultimately get beat, it just feels like Michigan's so far away from Clemson and, and even further away from the champions of the last few years. It, it is a lot of fun to watch good football teams play each other, especially in the college game. For those of us who just you know love college football, I will say on the Eastern time zone and eight o'clock, what well, it turned into, you know, more like an eight twenty kickoff makes it a little difficult, but, uh, yeah, just so much fun to watch two great teams, and and you're totally right. A stark reminder of how far away Michigan really is. I think about LSU getting down a couple scores, being backed up inside the the ten, maybe even five. I think their their first couple possessions, and for them to to, to respond the way they did and go on to win the way they did, Michigan 
would never be able to do that. That's not in them. Once they're down, they're they're pretty much down for good. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna say there's no fight in them, but the level of talent just doesn't allow for you to come back against really good teams like Clemson, and LSU was able to do that pretty handily. You know, 21 points in the second quarter. Uh, Clemson scores only eight in the second half, and this was just a a performance to remind those second-tier teams how far they have to go in order to get to this stage. Unless, of course, something ridiculous happens, which in Michigan's case, like maybe that's uh, the short-term thing that we're looking forward to. Like maybe things fall apart in the Big Ten and Michigan uh, gets in that, that conference title game and wins and, and they can be like a three seed. And then, you know, who knows what happens over the course of two games. And and that's a, not a, a good outlook to have. You, you would rather just have your, your team be good enough to get there on its own merits. But uh Definitely not where Michigan is, and and you're you're right about you know USC and like Texas. There's there's a bunch of teams right in that pack who are are close, sure, compared to everyone else, but still so far away. I mean, you can even lump a team like I mean Florida. I mean, there's there's te- there's tens, twenties of teams that you could mention. Really, anyone in the top twenty five this year, uh, preseason top twenty five next year. It seems like outside of a a few squads that everyone else is so far removed and I think just to you know kind of wrap up the the Michigan football season something we really haven't done I feel like there were glimpses of what we wanted to see even against Alabama that first half Josh Gaddis seemed to be having his way things were working schematically guys were being utilized in ways that we hadn't either seen consistently or they were executing at a higher level uh, it, I, there's a lot to like until obviously it got away from them. It seems like games get away from Michigan, especially as they play top tier teams. Then there's games like against Wisconsin where it's out of hand from the beginning. But when you talk about that fight, you're absolutely right. That's something that it's always seemed to lack when you look at the Wolverines, except for the game against Penn State where you got a glimpse of, wow, like they're responding on the road in one of the toughest environments in all of college football against a top 10 team and you're a drop pass away or a drop touchdown um, away from being able to, to go into overtime and maybe do something. And so ultimately it's not enough. It's a loss on the schedule. A lot of people a few years from now will probably forget about kind of what that loss was like. But again, it was at least a glimpse of what's to come. But even with the glimpses, even if Michigan could put it all together and beat a good team on the road or maybe go out and stomp Washington early 2020 season, you just feel like they're still just so far away from the level of a team like LSU. And in LSU's case with Joe Burrow, you don't know what the answer is next year at quarterback, but I'd like to see where LSU goes from here because it feels like maybe Alabama's run is close to over. We talked about that, maybe Michigan being able to help uh, propel the, the Alabama downfall if they could win in the bowl game. That doesn't happen, but can a team like LSU sustain it, or is the Alabama-Clemson train just going to keep on rolling like it has in many of the past years? Yeah, to be clear, like Michigan and any other team in that position doesn't need a Joe Burrow at quarterback or, or a Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. You You need somebody who's really good, yeah, but you don't need – uh, like a, a once in a 
once in a decade or, or once in a, a two decade talent to come through in order to propel your team forward because Michigan and, and, and other teams, obviously like you can make a big difference in a ball game with positions outside of the quarterback. Again, your quarterback does need to be pretty good. I mean, he's the one who's making a lot of decisions, distributing the ball, but he doesn't have to be a world-class player. So for people who were watching uh, Monday night and thinking, gosh, you know, Michigan's never going to have that Joe Burrow back there. That's okay. Like you don't need Joe Burrow back there. If you get him fine, uh, you know, Joe Milton or Dylan McCaffrey may be that, that once in a, once in a few years, or, or what, was, what was I saying? Once in a two decade uh, talent, but you don't need to count on it and you don't need to try to go get that in every recruiting class because uh, they're setting the bar so high that it's just unreasonable to think other teams can can go out there and match it without running into some luck and having uh you know in LSU's case like a budding talent getting paired with Joe Brady who just happens to apparently be the ultimate quarterback whisperer. I mean that was a really great situation they had there, and Michigan and other teams don't necessarily need to try to duplicate that. There are issues across the board that you need to address. You don't need a superstar quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you look at guys like Tua, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, uh, even Joe Burrow. Like, Joe Burrow is such an interesting story. He's a guy who was uh, in the quarterback room when when Ohio State scored zero on Clemson in what I think was, what, 2016 college football playoff. And he ends up transferring. He has a couple of years and just, I mean, just really blossoms. And it's so, yeah, I mean, even Joe Burrow, the level he's playing, you're probably not going to find someone to match that. But it does give hope for a guy like a Dylan McCaffrey, Joe Milton sitting behind Shea Patterson, a five-star recruit who never really turned into what we were hoping for as Michigan fans. But you're absolutely right. There's so much more to the game than the quarterback. Does an elite quarterback that can play a couple of years help? Sure. But there's so many other elements and aspects, coaching, things to be considered. And Michigan doesn't need the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Now, if Michigan's in a college football playoff, uh, they're obviously probably going to have a guy who could maybe be in the Heisman conversation. I mean, even Jabril Peppers is in the Heisman conversation. But, yeah, I think I think you're spot on there with that take. And and hopefully in the, in the coming years, Michigan finds a way to build enough of a, a great team, even if they don't have that star answer at the quarterback position. You know what else kind of blew my mind? Watching those receivers run after the catch. I mean, they were breaking ankles, having guys fall over. And then sometimes they were looking like Derrick Henry out there. Like they caught the ball and they just bulldozed through three defenders. It, it was so amazing to watch the the diverse skill sets out there with those receivers. And I was trying to think like, does Michigan have anything that can compare to that? Well, Nico Collins is pretty strong. Not the fastest guy, although we did see him bust one against Indiana. You know, he he could possibly put a licking on some guys. Uh, maybe maybe Ronnie Bell is like that speedster who makes some defenders look silly. But that's just another another gap that becomes pretty apparent when you watch two really good teams go at it. I was watching I was watching those uh, receivers just you know mouth agape pretty much because they were they were doing all kinds of things that, that would make any offensive coordinator any play caller jealous 
Yeah, it's one of those things where you we were talking about quarterbacks and I was I'm right with you. Last night I was thinking of a bunch of position running back, quarterback, I mean, linebackers in the backfield for I mean Clemson looked really dominant on defense and had guys in the backfield almost every play making Joe Burrow uncomfortable. And even when he started connecting his first big bomb for a touchdown that was over 50 yards, he had to really step up in the pocket and he wasn't comfortable back there. He took some licks and, and it's just, it's amazing how like just the, the talent spreads on the, the teams that make the college football playoff. And again, we have, glimpses of things that we like to see there's new playmakers some true freshmen that stepped up in roles that uh, we weren't maybe expecting and you got to hope that each recruiting class brings in one or two stars but you think of a guy like you know Dax Hill like can he become such a playmaker that um, he has to be completely avoided on defense can you use him in special teams because of his speed Michigan has the playmakers. They have the some of the recruits, maybe not as many as some of the squads we see in the college football playoff. But between coaching and, and playmakers, Michigan does have good coaches and they do have good players. It's just a matter of how quickly they can become great. You know, as we are uh, talking about the gap between Michigan and the second tier and those top tier teams, uh, shortly before we came on here to record, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Michael Dwomfor is transferring, a, you know, defensive tackle at a, at a position where Michigan did not have a lot of depth last year, and and you know will likely continue to struggle with depth. It's just another instance of of Michigan being, uh, you know, perhaps knocking at the door, but but that door is dead bolted, and they have no way of knocking it down. Like it's it's going to take something impressive, and it's going to take something uh, maybe even you could say drastic to get through that door to the other side, join the likes of LSU and Clemson and Alabama and those teams and and Ohio state, obviously those teams who constantly own the top of college football and and they obviously can't win the national championship every year, but they're in that conversation. They're in their conference championship games. They're winning those conference championship games. And, you know, Michigan, uh, you can, I, I I like to think you could you could feasibly see Michigan doing this in like two or three years at, at every, like every year that that goes by you look at the pieces out of, that are there pieces coming in the coaching carousel is obviously always spinning but you're like you know I could see this happening in another two to three years where Michigan takes that next step uh, and I think that's still the case I don't know how you see it though. Yeah, no, I'm right with you. And I think that there's other programs like the USC's, the Texas, Florida's, Florida State, I mean, even Miami teams that are historically been able to do something at least. And I think there's a lot of programs in that next kind of tier where you're waiting for, you know, something to come through for one of them. And I think that it might take time. It might take a little bit of luck. It might take a down year for Ohio State. I mean, I don't. I really don't think, and I don't think anyone truly thinks, as much as it feels this way, that Michigan will never beat Ohio State again. And it's it's just going to take something. We don't know what that is. Obviously, winning road games helps. Winning against ranked teams helps, especially top fifteen, top ten, top five. But at some point, it seems like things will trend in even a better direction than Jim Harbaugh has been able to get this program back to. And whether it's the one game against Ohio State that. Um, that Michigan wins and it, it pulls in just enough 
uh, recruits the next year to get people excited. And uh, maybe it's some changes within the program, within the facilities. You uh, had Ty Rogers come out and, and basically say that it's a night and day difference without actually alluding to exactly what he meant. I mean, something at some point you think would go in the favor of Michigan, whether it's the result on the field or or a big recruit choosing Michigan over Ohio State for once. And yeah, whether that happens this next year, which is probably unlikely, or two to three years down the road, we start seeing that difference. At some point, I think that Michigan will be in a better place, but you never know where other teams will be. Maybe by the time Michigan returns to the college football playoff, it's against Texas, USC, and Florida State. And maybe Florida State has got back to their dynasty ways and is rolling over people. And you just never know with college football, but I really don't think it can be Michigan losing to Ohio State forever. And at some point, I think that Alabama and Clemson are going to have to give somebody else a turn too. So for me, seeing LSU win, I would have rather seen Clemson last night. Uh, But seeing a new team win, a team from the SEC that beat down um, Alabama, even though it was a close game, I guess it's a good change of pace. and, And hopefully Michigan can contribute to that in the future. Okay, last few minutes here. Let's uh, move over to Michigan basketball. Lost uh, two of their first three in the new year, including a 75-67 loss on the road against Minnesota. It's been said a thousand times, if not more, that it's going to be extremely difficult to win on the road in the Big Ten this season, and uh, Michigan has personified that. Uh, Also lost, of course, on the road to Michigan State on uh, January 5th. What are you making of Michigan right now? No, it's tough. You, I feel like we when we talked last, you know, we kind of hoped that uh, even at coming off of a loss against Michigan State, which is just clearly a better team right now, even though they just got thumped by Purdue, who Michigan beat in overtime. I mean, there's a lot of teams beating teams that shouldn't. I mean, the Big Ten is a mess, but it's also probably going to be one of the most fun years we've seen in terms of just general uh, play. I think road teams were five. 31 at, at some point probably even worse now um, I've kind of I haven't paid attention early this week on, on Big Ten games but I mean Michigan plays Iowa a team that they put a hundred up on but also allowed 91 uh, Garza Luca Garza had 44 points the bigs that are playing against Michigan <coughs> excuse me some of them are are coming off of games where they've scored two three seven points and then exploding for 30 exploding for 37 and hitting threes or whatever um, Purdue went off, the guy went off for. So, I mean, Michigan's got to find a way to win on the road, something that's been nearly impossible for all Big Ten teams. Uh, and I think it's going to take a lot for, for them to do that unless they can play solid defense, especially in the interior, um, hit shots, and, and really just play better basketball than we saw on the road against Minnesota. Yeah, that interior defense has become the number one frustration, I think, for fans because it seems like uh, every week there's a a new player going off for a career night against Michigan, and you're looking at big seven foot, uh, like a like a lean seven foot John Teske, and wondering, you know, that that post defense was always his strength, and and now. Uh, you know, he's getting scored on a lot and you can can talk about foul trouble, but, but the fact of the matter is like Michigan has not been able to, to guard on the interior very well at all, especially recently, it seems. And Luca Garza, um, I I believe, I don't remember his point total last time uh, Michigan played Iowa, but I believe he's got the highest point total against Michigan this season. 
Yeah, and I'm sure it's still, and I yeah, I'm sure that's still his uh, career best. Do you think they'll figure it out by chance against Iowa, or is he uh, is Luca Garza too good, and, and you're just going to have to deal with another you know thirty plus points or whatever? I don't know if it's even a too good as much as it's just a favorable matchup with the way Michigan's been playing interior defense and the inability for John Teske to stop guys on his own, the lack of help. I hope that Juwan Howard kind of wakes up and looks at the last three bigs they played, these three bigs that went off against him, including guards. I mean, even Xavier Tillman had a great game, a very different big than these other guys. But, I mean, you give up 44 points to a guy. It was almost a quiet 44 because Michigan was mostly in control of the last matchup. And nobody else was doing anything. And nobody else was doing anything. And so it's almost like, well, you know what? That was still the point of the season, I guess, where you could say, hey, look, like Michigan just needs to win games and it doesn't really matter what happens. But when you start giving up, you know, above 30 to Purdue and going to double overtime, barely winning, and and then you got another guy in Minnesota who goes off for 30 and you lose that game, I mean, you just can't allow that to happen. And I think Luca Garza will probably be able to have his way, hopefully not 44 points worth. But if Michigan doesn't figure it out, Michigan's going to lose. And Michigan's probably going to lose multiple games, especially against guys that have good bigs, which essentially is most of the Big Ten. I mean, the, the league is deep in terms of teams, but the, the big men this year in the Big Ten are so impressive, including John Teske. He still played really well but he's got to step it up on defense or get help and then it also helped if he could go for 20 himself and at least match the the scoring output of Garza who's averaging 22 a game right now and it's not always big men who are taking advantage of Michigan's interior defense remember Peyton Pritchard got anything he wanted going to the bucket in that uh overtime loss to or wasn't overtime game yeah yep I just said okay yeah that loss to Oregon so uh, typically, yes, a big guy, but it doesn't have to be, apparently. So do you think Michigan gets back on track against Iowa, regardless of what Luca Garza does? You know, I, I don't. I, I think that Iowa, I mean, it's 9 p.m. our time, so what, 8, 7, whatever it would be in Iowa, local time on a Friday night. There's nothing else to do in a cold night in Iowa. Fans are going to be out. That's always a pretty tough place to play, especially on the weekend, and I just think that I, I haven't seen enough from Michigan on the road to to have the the confidence, especially when when Garza is averaging twenty two and they have other players who are also very capable. It just seems like a, a tough place to play in, in a tough league where again people aren't winning on the road. So I don't think Michigan gets back on track Friday. All right. Well, that is a nine p.m. Eastern tip on Friday on uh, Fox Sports One. For what it's worth, uh, ESPN's uh, Basketball Power Index gives Iowa a 68.5% chance to win that one. Not all that surprising considering it's it's on the road and Michigan's been struggling as of late. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Ty underscore Fenwick and you can follow Derek at Divine Identity. Thanks for listening to us on the Go Blue crew. We'll see you next time. Go Blue. Go Blue.